Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Podcast, the author series. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and I have with me today Jonathan Segal. I did it wrong. Jonathan Siegel. Well, if it was Segal, you said it right, but it's Siegel. <laughs> Jonathan Siegel. Hi, Jonathan. Nice to, nice to meet you. And Hi, Thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Well, why don't you introduce yourself, since I botched it, and um, tell okay. people a little bit about yourself. All right. Okay. I am Jonathan Siegel and have been as long as I can remember. I've been a musician all my life, a pianist, singer, entertainer, music educator, composer. Uh, I've worked in jazz. I've worked in rock and roll. I've been in theater, film worked as a composer in television, done a lot of different kinds of music, usually stemming out from the piano in some form sooner or later. And um, I wrote a novel, which you're going to hear about, called The Disharmonic Misadventures of David Stein, which is a fictional book, because why do they call it a novel? Hey, but it is about a piano player. That's my point. And um, is he me or is he fictional? Who knows? But um, I, I'm morphing into a writer I haven't stopped being a musician, but I'm finding the writing process not unlike composing or inventing a jazz piano solo. So here I am. And that's a really great analogy because a lot of people are um, comparing the current state of the book publishing business to what music went through a few years ago. But what I like about a lot of the authors I'm speaking to, like yourself, is that they do something else creative as well. And it's you're still uh, creating something out of nothing, basically, and you are doing it your own way. And you find out that, like you just said, it's not that different from composing anything else. It's just you're delivering it in a different format. You know, you're, I, totally, I really agree with you. I, it's absolutely true. I, I like being creative. You know, whether I'm making up a song on the spot or I'm walking down the street whistling or making a pun or a joke or getting up and emceeing at a party, or playing jazz at the piano, or writing something down like a book or a poem. Or I've always been a songwriter, so I've always written song lyrics, and I've always been kind of a story. My songs have often, often been story songs with characters and plots, so it really wasn't such a far cry to writing a novel. I did tackle a couple of short stories. I had written scripts for a couple of musicals, one of which I hope one day to get to Broadway. So I had done some writing, but I had not written a book. Well, and you just brought up something about all the different genres. You've tried, like, across a lot of things. The songwriter and the poetry and the short story all actually come together to be very similar to each other um, in that, you know, you can tell a story with a song, you can tell a story with a poem, and you should, probably. And, you know, they can also be a short story, but... The the poem and the uh, song are probably more about dialogue, and the short story, you have to fill in more of the backstory. So that you know those things do all tie together. And then when you talk about screenplay, um, you know writing a or uh, writing a play for uh, Broadway, a musical, you know then again you're in dialogue and you have to you know, give descriptions of where the people are, but not as much as you would if you were in a novel. So right. to take that script and turn it into a novel takes you to a whole nother level of, uh, of writing skill. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I agree with you. I, I, um, the musical I had written, 
came out of uh, wanting to create a vacation for my family, and so I created a whole universe, and it's called Space Vacation. So I, I created a whole universe. I thought, this is great. This doesn't cost a cent for me to write, but of course, if they ever put it on stage, it'll cost them money. And then I thought, well, if I start writing something that I didn't know I was going to write a novel, but as, I, as the book unfolded, I thought, this is great. This doesn't cost anybody money to produce. They make a movie of it, that's wonderful. But meanwhile, I could create this universe, this world within my jazz novel, as they call it, Disharmonic Adventures, and uh, there's no budget. There's nobody says you can't create, I, I'm going to have a floating city in my novel. You can't do that. It's going to cost too much to do on stage. It's going to cost too much in movie. In the book, it doesn't cost anything. It just costs your brain power and your energy and your creativity. So that was great. That was a wonderful series. By the way, if I may say, I, didn't, I don't know if I knew it was going to be a novel. I didn't. What happens to the guy in this book is, is a mystery, and I did not know how it would end. I did not know how the mystery would be solved. It un unveiled itself to me as it does to the reader, which I think is part of the fun and the excitement. And you are not the first author to say that, and um, that was going to be one of the things I was going to ask, but I kind of figured because you are a musician and that you, you don't normally, when you start writing a song, correct me if I'm wrong, but normally when you start writing a song, you don't know, always know how it's going to end. That's right. You know, you let it come yeah, to You're me. right. I probably don't know how it's going to end. I probably get a title in my head or a snatch of melody or a chord progression or some kind of groove or some kind of idea, and then it starts to take form. And then somewhere along the way, I may know where it's going to go uh, to have a structure. But it, with the novel, it really took, you know, midway in the book where I thought, oh, my gosh, I think I know what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have that effect on the reader, which is great, you know. Well, they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. But, right. you know, it's kind of, uh, may I tell you what it's about? Because that's sure. Hard. Well, uh, David Stein, he, he's a pianist like me. He's a jazz pianist, and he, he plays parties and fancy events in museums and bars or dinner parties on Park Avenue. And he's kind of jaded, and he's, he's not totally a hack. He's talented, but he hates his work. He hates his wealthy clients. He feels he's treated badly. Nobody regards him as an artist. And he's really glum and morose, and he's, he's kind of a schlemiel. And uh, what happens to him is one day he's home uh, in his living room, and he's just walking around, and he... He's dial spinning on the radio. All of a sudden, he hears three or four seconds of unworldly piano music. He falls to the ground sobbing, and it's like God is grabbing him through the soul, through the guts. And he gets up slowly to turn up the volume, and he hits the tuner by mistake, and he doesn't know what station he was on, and he can't find it. And so these few seconds of music has shocked him and turned his world upside down, but he doesn't know who it was. And he becomes obsessed with a quest, it's really a hero quest kind of novel, to find out who was playing the piano. And meanwhile, the experience of hearing the music starts to change him. He develops extrasensory perception and visions. He gets involved with an anti-music death cult and a murder, and every one of his gigs, all sorts of crazy stuff happened to him anyway. I say he's like Mr. Magoo down the rabbit hole, he's sort of a loser, but, but now he's become obsessed with music, he starts to care what he's doing, He's really becoming transformed, all the while trying to find out what did he hear. That's that. That sounds like an awesome storyline. I, 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 I'm fascinated. I I don't have time to do a lot of reading, but uh, you know, interviewing authors like yourself, it's it's like okay, I got to read that book. <laughs> I'll sing you the whole book. I'll sing you the whole. That's um, and you know that's 
I love the way you were able to describe your character because even a lot of, you know, especially a lot of new novelists, they don't know how to explain it in just a short time. You know, uh-huh. they're like, well, you know, I did this and I did that and I did the other thing and I had to put them here and I had, and I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, you, you, you don't know how to do it in that short bite that you just did. Well, that's interesting. I, I think that's the longest I've ever done it. That's because you were gracious enough to give me time. I know how to pitch it in two sentences, but, you know, I thought I'd just unwind and tell you, you know, how it flows. Well, and, and that's important because a lot of our listeners are, like I said, they're new authors and they're afraid of, you know, oh, well, what if I take my character to this place and I don't know what they're going to do when they get there? Well, just write it and just yeah. wait and see what happens. Yeah, well, there you go. And it's, it's very different from what I thought about writing. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, for instance, a movie, I, I've only dabbled in screenplays. I'm not a screenplay writer. Maybe some point I would try it with this, but it seems like certainly somebody who adapts something else for a screenplay, a, a story that already exists, They've got to structure that down to the, you know, to the eyelash. Right. I guess there's less improvisation in the typical screenwriter. I'm guessing. I don't know. Uh, Whereas I was free to just let it roll. Well, and it's like you said, um, for a screen, if you're writing a, uh, if you're writing something for TV or for movies or for a stage play, it has to be believable and it has to be doable. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you can. You know, I mean, J.K. Rowling was able to make Harry Potter transfer to the screen because there was enough that was different to make it exciting, but there was enough that was achievable with the technology to make it a real world. You're right. She created an incredibly visual, descriptive, wonderful, magical world, and they did a great job of creating it on film. You're right. Right. Both both medium, uh, medium media, it worked. Yeah. And, you know, she... when you talk about, you know, you wrote a play, but you can't have it be in outer space because if you made this galaxy that, you know, you had to go up to, it would be too hard to recreate it on stage. But That's I will your limitation. find Broadway producers that they can yeah. <laughs> until I convince them. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> the point is, don't let your limitation, what you, don't let your perceived limitations stop you. And mm-hmm. you might be the next Stephen King or the next J.K. Rowling. You know. There you go. By the way, one one of the ways I pitched this novel is a little bit of Stephen King meets Woody Allen. <laughs> I, I was going to say Woody Allen. When, yeah, he's kind of a Woody Allen like. In sort of one part Allen. of your description, I was going to say Woody Allen. Um, yeah, he's kind of like Woody Allen looking for God in, in music. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot about spirituality and God mixed in with it. I mean, the book is about jazz. Right. It's about a loser trying to, you know, I also say it's like a, a, a caterpillar trying to cocoon and, be, you know, become a butterfly in a way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and maybe he does, but I won't tell you. <laughs> I got to read I it. I got to read it, right? Gives but, it a shot. And, and that's what, that's, that's another way that, um, you know, you're a good storyteller because you can, you can tell people what the story is about without giving away the ending. Right. And you that's can, true. You you have a, the story has enough layers to it that you can get people interested in it in just a few sentences, like you did, and you're used to having to do even less. Um, you know, for again, for our listeners out there, don't think that everything has to be cut and dry, and don't think everything has to be 
the way other people think it needs to be. You just, I said it before, and you know, you're saying it, and just let it go. Let it, let it take over and see what it's going to be. And then if you don't like it, you can throw it away, you know, but if you don't get it out of you to begin with, you're not going to know where it can go. Yeah, a soul unexpressed. That's one of the themes of the book, really. And really, that's what's in his piano playing. He's, he's, if you'll pardon the expression, kind of emotionally, musically constipated, you know, he's he's not really in touch with the the deepness. He he loves music, but he's, he, he, he can't always let it flow the way he wants to because he's so neurotic, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I have to say that, you know, I could write this book because I knew this guy. I mean, really, what I did is I, you know, I, I lived that life. I, I played over a thousand fancy parties in my tuxedo uh, for the rich and the famous and the not so rich and famous, as I put it. And, and um, you know, I've loved some gigs. I've walked out of some gigs and said, wow, they should have paid me. I mean, rather, I should have paid the host. Mm-hmm. That's so much fun, and there's others where you come out feeling really horrible. Where you feel like you know nobody cares what you're doing. They're just drinking their wine. They're no one's listening, whatever. And and I've had I did that for many many years. And I wrote this book when I was feeling the dark side of it. And and I, it's kind of like if you take a magnifying if if you think of your personality as a sphere and you take a magnifying glass and go over it. When you hit the id, I magnified the id. I focused on the id. I went crazy with it. I really let it run wild. And that's, that's what happens with this, this character in the book. That's the part of me that I magnified and extrapolated and embellished. Well, and that's what um, another thing that is a, is a recurring theme is that you did something that's going to get people emotionally involved. And uh-huh. at the end of the book, they're going to feel better or they're going to feel different whether it's better or worse, they're going to feel different than they did when they started the book. I, I love what you're saying. I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm throwing strokes here, but I really agree with you. It is, a, it is meant and seems to be working as a transformative novel. That's it. That the, the reader's transformed along with the character, and that's part of the pleasure. And by the way, that's what musicians love. No, no musician loves anything more than to, you know, if I sit at the piano, and I'm playing jazz, and people walk by the piano, they start snapping their fingers or singing. Somebody was in a crummy mood, and they walk out, and they've fallen in love again, or whatever it is. I'm, I've created a mood that transformed them. Yeah. You know, I used, to work, I used to work in television as a composer. I wrote a lot of music for television a long time ago, for soap operas and sports shows and game shows and news and all that stuff. And, you know, when you write music, say, for a background in a soap opera, maybe there's a love scene. Well, you could write lovey-dovey romantic music and then you think something's going to happen with them, but you might also write, see the same romantic scene in the bedroom, but you write little nervous pizzicato violins or something, and now the audience thinks, is she going to kill him? <laughs> You're the puppet master when you do that. So in, in a different way, when I'm live at the piano, you're, you're also underlying the, the atmosphere of the people in that room. And, and on a good day, you do transform them. You do give them an experience that raises them up in some way. I love that you've got the siren and not me, because usually I got the, the the fire truck or the police it siren in the background on my on my side. So no, no doubt, no doubt, the fire engine gives away the the uh, signal that I'm out in the middle of the desert, knowing. Yes. Yes. Something good as a fire truck. Right in the middle of the desert, known as New York City. <laughs> That's the one. Um, well, now. So if someone, tell me, how, how did you go about publishing your book? Did you self-publish? Are you traditionally published? Which, 
How are you published? I did, I did self-publish, but I am using that self-publishing both to hopefully sell copies of the book and create a buzz, and also to alert physical publishers and literary agents and the, the literary world at large. Okay. So, uh, you know, if we could extrapolate, the best case of that is uh, Amanda, I forget her name, young, la young British lady. Amanda Hawking? Amanda Hawking, yeah. She sold uh, millions of books online, but she still ended up going with a physical publisher because she said, I know a lot of my fans still shop at Walmart, don't have Kindles, I want them to be able to get my book. So best of both worlds, the analog world, the digital world. But um, what happened with me was um, I had the manuscript sitting around. I wasn't sure how to get it where I wanted. And then uh, somebody told me about uh, self-publishing. And I, the company I use, and by the way, I'm very happy with them, it's called Create Space. Mm -hmm. I think they're sort of a, a subsidiary or they're connected to Amazon. Yep. I was going to do the e-book first. That was my goal and become Mr. Amanda Hockett. That was my goal. Mm -hmm. And I started to do it. I did all the format changing, typed it up, blah, 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 blah. I literally was at the point where I had to do the last click to upload it. When I viewed it through a, uh, an ebook viewer, some of the formatting looked a little strange. And I thought, I could probably figure out how to solve this on my own, but it might take a long, long time. I know I'm going to do a paperback sooner or later, so why don't I go up create space? I'll do the paperback first. They will help me with the Kindle and Nook version. And they did. So yeah. I did the paperback first, and immediately I said to them, help me put up the Kindle version, which they did. So I put it out in all formats. Um, I was very, very happy with them. In a world where customer service seems to be, you know, gone down the drain, they spent a lot of time on the phone with me. You know, they have one of those buttons that says, call me. When? They call you right up. Here's my question. I'm on the phone with them half an hour because they'll, they'll talk about it. Yeah. I gave them ideas. I said, here's my, um, I told them for my cover, I wanted a guy in a tuxedo sliding down a roller coaster of piano keys. <laughs> and they did me. They did their version of that. And, and what? And the funny thing is they sent me the, the, the cover as a digital file, and I looked at it, it was just the title page. It was the, I thought it was the cover, but it was just the inside the, the title page. And I thought, okay, this is okay, but I'm not really that excited. And they, <laughs> they said, no, no, you're looking at the wrong thing. And it was great. It was, it was so great that I think I haven't really exploited it enough. You know, I haven't been putting it in physical stores where somebody could physically pick it up and see it because CreateSpace did a great, great job. I uh, put the photo on the back and all the tag blurb I want. I also put some QR code. So if somebody walks into a bookstore, they can scan the QR code. It'll take them to my website. On my website for Disharmonic Adventures, which is www.disharmonicmisadventures.com, I put a lot of multimedia. I put uh, a YouTube video of me at the piano singing and playing about the book. I'm oh, telling nice. Sing playing. So that's on YouTube. I put a chapter read by me with a background jazz piano score by me under it. I put the text of the first one. I put reviews as they came in. And is there any time somebody read the book that I knew about, I said, hey, would you be willing to write a review for Amazon? Or if I gave you the book or I sold you the book, can I, you know, put your comments on my webpage? So I kept adding stuff. So I made it a real good website. And, you know, I'm in the, you know, I'm trying to reach for the moon. I'm only a few inches off the ground, but I'm moving up. Well, and that's a really good story about how you worked with CreateSpace. Um, there's a, I use CreateSpace as well, and mm -hmm. they are owned by Amazon. And that gives you a lot of advantages because when you, if you put your Kindle book up first and then you do your CreateSpace book later, 
you mm-hmm. can actually just send an email to the Create Space support or call them up and say, these two books are the same book. Can you please put them both on the same page? There so that when people land on your ebook page, they also have the um, ability to purchase your print book. Well, or, if they go and, or, or vice versa. So if they, if they are on your print book page, but they don't know if they want to spend that much money on a book... You know, you give them the less expensive ebook, and then they read it, and then they tell their friends about it, and then everybody goes out and buys a print book. So either way, you win. Um, and the other thing you said about you know the roller coaster ride and you know creating your book, you know, create space. You can either do everything yourself, or you can um, have them use their services to help you get to where you want to go. And in your case, you know, they, they did your cover for you. They did your formatting for you. What better to have them do your formatting as, you know, the company that, you know, is going to make or make money or lose money by, you know, whether mm-hmm. it turns out mm-hmm. right. And the same thing with the Kindle. Yes, I'm really good at formatting Kindle books. But, you know, other people aren't. And what I noticed that CreateSpace just did within the last month or so is now when you get to the end of the CreateSpace process, they say, hey... Put your book on Kindle. Here's your book cover. Here's your um, here's your manuscript. Just download these two files and click the next button. Well, mm-hmm. I haven't had to do that because I already I, I went the opposite route where I did Kindle first, right. and um, I think that's that's brilliant because then you know they're going to link you together. They're going to know that you know that's your book, and it's become part of the CreateSpace workflow. And I think that that is going to help immensely in the Kindle marketplace because there's a lot of folks that think there's a lot of junk, which, truthfully, there is a lot of junk on the Kindle. But there's also a lot of junk that's self-published. And the reason I'm doing the the podcast series with authors is let's find the good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, let's get let's get publicity for for your books that are the good books that people should be reading and you know that that uh, we all want to enjoy and let's support each other to be better writers. I like it. I, I like, like it. that you do. I like that you do videos with your own music behind them. I'm like, well, yeah, that I'm was jealous. a really funny one. I mean, you, you, if you if you go on, if you if anybody types on Google disharmonic misadventures, a whole bunch of stuff will come up. But one of the things I, I also did one where. I took for release by Beethoven, and I did a, a jazz version of it as a YouTube video. Are we still in touch? Yep. Oh, I just sat back. Uh, anyway, so I did for release as a ba ba da ba da ba da ba da 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 as a jazz version. Also connected it, and I you know mentioned the book in it. Um, I'm trying all sorts of things. You know, as a musician, I've marketed myself since I was in college in my first band. You know, so right. I'm used to doing that. So, the, the, I, you know, I saw somebody complained on a forum about CreateSpace. Hey, they didn't market my book at all. Well, hey, that, that was not their job. That was the job. My job is to market the book. So I'm talking to you. Thank you very much. So I try to do interviews. I put up a, a good website. I do emailings. I pitch it on Facebook. Um, I, I can recommend a couple of other cool things I've done that have led to other things, uh, other ways of uh, marketing that people might be interested in, if I may. Yes, um, please. Uh, did a press release. Uh, that's probably what I sent you. I think the company I used was called 1888 Press Release or something like that. And they did a great job. And that press release has my videos embedded. It's got the cover embedded. It's got my website. It's got a blurb. And they did a great job. So I use that every time I uh, send it out 
to a person like yourself or a potential reader or a potential agent or a publisher. And by the way, I joined Writer's Market uh, online. You can do that. It's cheap. And then you can access lists of agents, lists of publishers, and, and contact them. Um, I'm reading a book called The Laptop Millionaire, and it's loaded with great ideas. Uh, one website they suggested using was Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, where people will do whatever you want for $5, pardon the expression. So also <laughs> advertising things, a guy in England ran around to 500 mailboxes to put, put up my flyer for $5. Yeah. So I made a little video, an animated video of the website address that I posted for $5 on Fiverr.com. Yeah. Then there's uh, sites like ClickBank and Get a Response. They're all about email lists, building an email list. No, it's all about internet marketing, publicity. I'm sort of a novice within it, but I'm a fast learning novice and I'm enjoying the process. And I try new things every day, uh, you know, to promote the book. Well, and there you go. You just hit upon two really um, interesting topics. And before I get to that, I have friends that are addicted to Fiverr, and we've threatened to take their accounts away from them because oh they God. get too much done at Fiverr. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could spend your whole day spending $5 bills on silly fun stuff. It's yes, cool. and things you like that. You could do that on Facebook or in, or in front of uh, CNN or anywhere else. I know. they. One of our, A couple of our friends have gotten this um, and – no offense to anyone who is a fat, ugly woman, but she is a fat, ugly woman, and and she is angry, and she screams, you know, don't go to this website. Don't. I will kill you if you go to that website. And, of course, you go to the website because, you know, she screamed at you and told you not to. That's um, funny. But Fiverr will do, like you said, Fiverr will let you do anything. But the two important points you made were that um, you're creative, and you think outside the box. And the other one is that you're not afraid to learn what you don't know. And That's you're not right. afraid to try, you know, to go out there and try things. I mean, my day job is internet marketing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with internet marketing and affiliate marketing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's been very enlightening listening to all the different authors and that, you know, get yourself offline, you know, go do a reading at your local bookstore or for you, you can go to the local wherever club and sit down and play some music and, and music, read the book. music going along with your book. And there you go. that's like, that would be something that would be very unique just to you, but that would be supporting a local business and, you know, making you feel good and hopefully selling you some books. And you never know who's in the room uh -huh. that may be that person. you got to keep throwing stuff against the wall, but figure which wall you want to throw it at. Yep. And make sure that it's unique to you. I mean, don't follow the crowd and, and, and be your own person and follow your strengths. You know, use your strengths. Get out of your comfort zone, but use your strengths. And your strengths is your music and... You know, the day is coming where you're going to be able to put music in your Kindle book. And, I mean, now you can link to it and have people listen on their Kindle, you know, while, as long as they're connected to the Internet or they can download the song. You know, they can listen to the music behind your book, but the day mm -hmm. is coming where it will be embedded. And you're going to be a step up from the rest of us because you, you. Like you, you already know how to do your music. So, and By the way, if I may say... You know, to, to, to younger listeners or older listeners, 
you know, to, 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 we're talking about the MacBook Pro, you know, the computer and the internet is levels the playing field in an awful lot of ways. I mean, you know, if this had been 30 years ago and I was trying to send out a novel, you know, I'd be trying to get hold of a list of people who are not going to talk to me. It's, it, I, I, mean, I have access to, you know, through the internet, you, if, you're, if you're smart, you can contact anybody. Yep. And, and if you have a good product and you, for, and you format that product in a way that, that's, you know, pleasing to the eye, ear, brain, heart, whatever, um, you can get your product to somebody. It's very different from the way it used to be. So if you're an older person who's a digital immigrant, come on. My, my, my mom's 92 years old, man. She's on Facebook. <laughs> She's on Facebook. She downloads, uploads photos, you know, messages, the whole thing. So anybody can learn to do it. And if you're younger, hey, you know, you already know this. And, you, you know, you're, you're digital native. You're born with it. And you should be utilizing it to the fullest. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. To make contact with people. Yep. And, and again, the folks that I've been interviewing for this podcast, including yourself, have all been such unique and wonderful individuals. And you didn't send me your press release. What you did is I put a pitch in the Help a Reporter out. Mm-hmm. And you found my query saying that I was looking for authors that wanted to be on a podcast or be interviewed to not only share their story, but share writing tips and marketing tips. And Mm -hmm. you answered me. And that's, you know, you might have sent your press release along with it, but you answered me on something that I reached out for. Well, I did. And I'm so glad I did. And I appreciate it. And there's another place, Help a Reporter, places like that, you know, give you emailings where... People are looking to be are, are looking to, for people to interview. Yep, I'm always looking for authors to talk to, and I'm looking for work at home mom and dads to talk to, and you know I'm looking for all these different types of people. And you know if you get the the newsletter goes out three times a day, and if you scroll through it, you may find someone that's looking for the topic of your book or for Absolutely. you personally that you could share a story. And oh, by the way, I wrote a book. And, you know, it's it's a wonderful resource, and it's free. There's there's no cost, you know, like, yeah, I don't charge that, you, you don't charge me, you know, everybody's happy. What's that great old saying, uh, half the world is waiting for the other half to say hello? So, <laughs> yeah, be the half that says hello. That's beautiful. That That is, that is really beautiful. Be the half that says hello. And... Yeah, don't be waiting for people to say hello. Get out there and, you know, honk your own horn. Play your piano. That's right. You, you got to toot your horn. Yeah. You got to believe in, if you're an author, you got to believe in your book. I, I'm lucky, you know, I haven't sold any great number of books, but what I've had is almost consistently excited responses from people who read them. So I felt good about the book already, but it makes a big, big difference. Let's face it, when people, you know, experience your the product, the project you've created, whether it's music, dance, sculpture, poetry, novel, whatever, and are moved by it, transformed by it, and love it. And and that only makes me feel better about going out further and say, hey, you've got to read this book if i got a great book for you. And, and meaning it and not sounding like a snake yeah. oil set. Yep. And for your friends, you know, that read it because, oh, you wrote it, I'll read it. And then, you know, they read it and they go, hey, you know, that was really cool. <laughs> you want to know something, Deborah? Yeah. I, one of my mottos, my self-mottos as a musical performer is I would always rather perform for an audience of strangers and family and friends. Totally. Because family and friends either love everything you do yeah. or feel close enough to tear you down and tell you what's wrong with it. I, I, I love to go out in front of strangers because strangers you'll find out. You know, if you created something that's meaningful. 
memorable. Yeah. So, so I, I thank every one of my family and friends who've read this book. Don't get me wrong. But it's a thrill when somebody you don't know at all, you know, contacts and said, hey, I read your book and really moved me. It changed my view of this or this music of life. Or there's also a lot of martial arts in the book. There's all sorts of stuff. And, and it's great when, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a little story. Um, I, many, many years ago, I was at a, a benefit for my kid's school. It was a long time ago when my kid was little. And I sang a, a love song that um, I'd written that was going to be for a musical. And a guy comes up to me afterwards and he says, your song has opened up a new space in my heart, in my relationship with my son, which was a really mushy thing for a, you know, a dad to come up and say. Yeah. But that was, what a nice thing to say. You go, wow, you know, I didn't write this song to sell it. I wrote it because I felt it. But the guy felt it, too. The yep. audience transformed. You know, the, the, I mentioned in the book that the artistic process is you express and somebody receives. There's people in the art, in the world, and the arts will say, no, they don't care if nobody likes their work, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Me, I don't want all my, I don't want to have a closet full of CDs that nobody bought or books that nobody saw or anything. I want them out there. I want the world to experience what I, what I'm feeling. That's, that's the artistic transaction for me. Yeah. And I've actually known people in the past that were excellent photographers, took beautiful, beautiful photographs or, you know, were wonderful artists that painted beautiful things. And I said, you know, you should, you should sell these. You should put these out to the world and share them. And they're like, no, this is just for me. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of selfish because art and it's, it's meant to be shared. I mean, obviously it's a personal personal decision and maybe there's one or two pieces that you don't want to let go of but you know if you are a talented artist share it with the world let them enjoy it with you i think it would be tough being a painter because a painter sells his or her paintings and then it hangs in somebody else's house yeah i'm not in front of you anymore uh, that's one of the blessings about writing a book or music you know it, it's multiplies yeah and of course you could do that with art now too but you know what i mean you're, yeah you're i know rich- the original Yep. Yeah. Well, and myself as a photographer, my my walls are covered with photographs, but I only have so much room. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't even look at all the things that I love because You need to sell a few so you can get a bigger, bigger, bigger place. Yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to have, I, I used to joke with my sons, I wanted to have an art gallery so that I had someplace big enough to, ha- to hang all my favorite photos. Oh, I like it. That's good. So, but, um... Yeah, you have given us some really great advice. Like, if someone if someone new were to come up to you and and they're thinking about a book, or maybe they started a book, what would you what would be your piece of advice for them? What's What's the question from them? Just do you just what would you say? You just you know someone well, I, just someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, I'm writing something." What piece of advice would you? Well, I would be I would be very encouraging because I just as I am with my piano students, you know, whether they're going to compose or write a book, I'm thinking of doing something creative. I say, go for it. You know, worst case scenario is you're going to learn a lot from doing it. Best case scenario is the product is going to be an artistic success. So I would, I, I say, go for it. I, I didn't write this in a traditional way. I don't know a lot about editing. Somehow it got edited, but I didn't hire an editor. So I would say, go ahead and do it. Do it carefully, lovingly, be willing to experiment. You know, write from the heart, write what you know. You don't have to only write what you know, but that's that's the most natural thing to do. Well, write what you know something about and, and let the writing come to you. Let it let it let it flow. Out. Yeah, you know, uh, let it flow in, itself. In, 
musicians sometimes, uh, I don't want to get too touchy-feely here, but sometimes musicians say they're just letting the universe flow through them, that they're just a tool for spirit or God or the universe or whatever. John Coltrane used to talk about that, John McLaughlin, the guitarist. And a lot of us, when we're in the zone, when we're playing music, music like jazz, when you're improvising, when you're really at your best, that's the feeling. And the yeah. same in the martial arts. The energy is just flowing through you. You're letting it happen instead of trying to make it happen. Sounds like a Zen thing. Stop trying to make the book happen. Let it happen. You know, do, do the work. You know, if you have to do research, you've got to turn off the friggin' television, turn, shut off all your screens except the computer you're going to write on or your pad and paper. You know, give it the time. Don't say you don't have the time. Make the time. Change your time management. Change your priorities. And start writing. Pick up the pen or the keyboard. Start. That's what I would say to anybody. Just start it. Just start. Start it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your deadlines. Don't talk about it so much. Do it. Yeah. That's great advice. And one of the most famous people that said that the music uh, flowed through him was Michael Jackson. And that was the problem with his insomnia. And all the medications he was on to try yeah. and make him go to sleep is he couldn't make yeah, the music stop. Going through choreography and directing himself. He tried to put that tour together. You're right. He couldn't sleep. He was thinking about it. He was planning every little move. Yeah. And it was all... He, did, he didn't have that problem when he was dancing, though. No. <laughs> when he was on stage and he was dancing, it was just there. Then it, then he flowed. Yep. That's so. it. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I love the way you've combined music and, and writing. This is... that. That's what's very intriguing to me. Um, you. you know, I tried to play piano when I was a kid. You know, it didn't work. You know, like uh, I spoke to a uh, a book author that was a children's book author that was an illustrator. I can't draw. You know, I'm a photographer and I can do things on the computer, but I can't do the things that you can do or the things that he can do. And that's what we like to watch in other people. We want to, you know, we want to be able to feel the experience as if we were able to do it ourselves. And we like to be able to look at drawings and art and illustration that... We couldn't do ourselves, but that we're so happy that we can actually see it. Well, well, speaking as I'm also a music educator, I teach middle school choruses in a nice private school, and I've taught piano privately for a million years. And, and with my students, I approach it as anybody is capable of learning to sing or anybody is capable of learning to play the piano. And I, I, don't, I really try not to believe in, you know, sometimes, again, an adult comes to me for lessons. Somebody in their 40s, 50s, hi, I'm tone deaf, I'm never going to learn to play. I say, well, if you think that, first thing you have to do is change your mindset about yourself. Right. And the mind changes, the body and the fingers will follow. Same thing with the voice. So, yes, you, you can learn to play now, Deborah. It's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> I'll open GarageBand and see if I can make it work. <laughs> I'm going to buy a piano. I, You know, and I had a piano when I was a teenager, and it was probably more of a thing where I, I didn't have... Um, you know, because our economic circumstances, I didn't have the money to have the the piano teacher come often enough. And, right. you know, I didn't have a computer. I don't even know if my piano was in tune or not. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I am a big believer of if you believe you can do it, you can do it. Um, I'm writing novels right now because my son started them and can't finish them. And I... Um, exploring places in my mind that I would never go. I can't mm -hmm. write sci-fi fantasy, but I'm gonna, and it's it's gonna happen. And through this series of podcasts with authors, I'm learning a lot of techniques. I'll bet. And you know, I have the basic 
uh, novel to start with, and I already know the sequel. But now I need to rework that first novel because it, I realized that it isn't quite right. And, you know, I was too close to it as, you know, it was something my son wrote that I wanted to get out there. So yeah. now it's going to turn into something that he and I wrote together. Um, well, that takes guts to say it's not right. I'm going to go back and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and guts, and, guts and discipline. Guts and discipline and time. And, and I'm not necessarily a disciplined person. I mean, most musicians not, aren't. <laughs> what? Most musicians aren't. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that I ever learned to play the piano. I just played all my life. Practicing has always been hard for me. The novel just kind of flew out of me, you know, which is really the expression it wrote itself. There's a certain amount of that of that feeling in, in writing it. Now, I didn't labor. I only labored over a few fine points and things I wanted to correct or little specific plot points. Uh, some of it came to me in dreams. Characters and characters' names came to me in dreams. Yeah. So. And that's totally normal. For And if it doesn't happen to you as a writer, don't take it as being your abnormal, but... I'm hearing more and more that that is, you know, one woman told me that she woke up at three. She had been thinking about a book for several years and she woke up one morning at three o'clock in the morning and her character was literally screaming at her that she had to go sit down at the computer right now and tell her story because she was tired of not being heard. That is a wonderful story. That's a great story. (laughs) And and she spent the next month writing the book because her character wouldn't let her let go of it. There you go. You know, in, in the middle of the night, if we, if we all didn't have to get up to work, and in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. when you couldn't sleep, you did your meditation then, all sorts of things will come up. I meditate and do, you know, martial arts and things like that, or I have, and I'm starting another one. And, and I, I like things that energize me and things that calm me, because I'm a naturally high-strung, noisy, chatty, kind of obnoxious guy. <laughs> and, and so when I do something like starting Tai Chi... All of a sudden, I have to slow down, or I do uh, transcendental meditation. I've meditated all my life on and off, but now I'm doing it regularly. Yeah. It's great to have a moment where you shut everything down, turn off the screens, and, and just be quiet, especially if you're listening to this, especially if you're the kind of person says, oh, I could never do that because I can't sit still. Well, neither could I. That's why it was such a good thing for me. And when the brain becomes quiet, things come up that you need to come up, like ideas for your books. Yep. That's. I was going to ask you for your parting thoughts, and I think that was it. You that just, was it. You just wrapped it up in a nutshell. Good, and, and put a ribbon on it. And put a ribbon on it. It's 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 a wrap. Um, well, Jonathan, thank you so much for agreeing for answering my hero query because um, you've been a fascinating uh, person to listen to and to talk to. It's and I, I have a feeling we're going to be talking more in the future. I know um, we are. <laughs> and you're very generous with your advice to people, which is really wonderful. And we'll, we'll come back through you. Well, thank you. Um, I, 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 I can't not share with people. That's, that's part of the point is that, that's you know, great. I mean, I, ha- I, have a, I have my, I work from home and I have my day job. But this whole writing thing, finding a, uh, you know, I found a need. And the need is that, you know, you can read a lot of author interviews on the Internet. But you know what? If I read an interview about you, I really don't know that much more about you than I did before. Mm -hmm. You know, I can read it on your book cover. I can read it on your website. But when you actually sit and have a conversation with somebody, now our listeners have gotten to know you a little bit. And, you know, they're going to go find the disharmonic, what was it? The disharmonic misadventures of David Stein. Right. 
So that, you know, they'll go find that because they're like, that guy was fun. I want to see what he wrote. Right. And, well, it's a fun book. I think a lot of that fun funness is in the writing. Well, and that's what I'm expecting to see. So um, tell us again, where on the Internet can people find you? Do you have a website? Well, the website for my book is www.disharmonicmisadventures.com. Okay. It's also, uh, also, you can buy it on Amazon.com. Just type in the name of the book. And it's also on the Barnes & Noble site. And CreateSpace has a page. But really, if you just Google Disharmonic Misadventures, it'll all come up. Yeah, I don't think there's too many titles that string those two words together. No, <laughs> really a double negative, but that was part of the joke. Right. Um, do you have, like, a Facebook or a Twitter? Oh, yeah, I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's also called the Disharmonic Misadventures of David Stein. There's a Facebook page there, too. Okay. And Twitter, I think I'm, you know, I haven't used a lot of Twitter, but I believe it's Jonathan L. Siegel. And it's spelled J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-L-S-E-G-A-L, Jonathan L. Siegel. Beautiful. Um, I would, again, like to thank you for uh, participating in our in our author series of podcasts. I'm and, honored. <laughs> um, and I also want our listeners that are finding us on, you know, a podcatcher or on iTunes that haven't found our site yet, Please go to bookgoodies.com, and that's bookgoodies with I-E-S at the end, um, .com, and you'll be able to do a search for Jonathan, and you'll be able to find our podcast, and you know you can make comments, leave comments. Um, you can also offer to be a guest by going at the top of the page and clicking on Contact Us, and you can also tell us about your books by clicking on the Tell Us About Your Book link, which will allow you to fill out a form that gives us all the information we need to be able to share your books with all of our site visitors and we um we are also available on twitter and at facebook twitter.com slash book goodies and uh facebook.com slash book goodies and if you want to find out anything about me personally you can go to deboracarney.com and or you can go to twitter.com slash loxley l-o-x-l-y that's like uh robin hood was sir robin of loxley and we just spell it phonetically. Um, and also, uh, we also want to thank GeekCast.fm, who hosts all of our shows and has a lot of podcasts and screencasts about affiliate marketing and internet marketing and marketing in general, so that you can uh, go explore some of the other podcasts that are there, including some more by me. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, get out there and get writing, and have a great day.